Welcome back to another episode of the DC New Year's podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Virginia, and I have the uh, the delightful opportunity to sit here and talk to Becky Blade today. Uh, Becky is a multifaceted uh, individual in the Kansas City area. She is uh, an author, uh, an artist, an entrepreneur, a mentor. Um, she's served on several boards in the past, and um, she has a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about today. So, Becky, thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. I am glad to have you. And so let's just jump right in. Um, talking about, tell us about a bit of your background here in the Kansas City area. Okay. I'll start at the beginning. Uh, three years old, my mom moved us here to take a job at the Kansas City Star as a typesetter. So it's fun to have that history. She uh, set type and, for 20 years, and then I grew up in the Midtown area and went to journalism school, having visited her at the Kansas City Star um, and being around journalists. That's what I wanted to do. I went to journalism school. Uh, I got out and was a journalist for about a minute and a half <laughs> because <laughs> I realized that I like taking sides on things. I got a, a little bit into politics, a little bit into entertainment. Uh, my first job was an internship at Starlight Theater that turned into a full-time job. So that was my entree into theater and the arts. And then I started uh, working at ad agencies and doing uh, communications, mostly public relations. And at age 30 in 1990, I uh, ooh, people can do the math on that. Shouldn't have done that one. Um, no, I started Blades and Associates, the public relations firm, and spent the next um, chunk of my career in that business. Then uh, when it was time, when I wanted to do the writing and the art that I get to do now, I merged my business and ultimately sold it to Trezolo Communications, which is a wonderful name and family in marketing communications here in Kansas City. So I've been very lucky and had a had a great ride. And along the way, I wanted to be a good corporate citizen. So really enjoyed getting to know what makes Kansas City tick. I served on the chamber board, um, was uh, one of the founding uh, leaders of the entrepreneurship group within the chamber. I've been involved in the Hellsberg Mentoring Program since its early days, and uh, chaired Arts KC, really um, fell in love with the arts in Kansas City, and have spent really the last 20 years uh, with this almost a journalistic study of what makes Kansas City so great and what makes entrepreneurship and art and those statistic fields really the lifeblood of a community and a life. So there's two things here I want to jump on. One, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for this, because as we're sitting here today and, you know, us here at the podcast are getting to discover what it's like living in Kansas City and all these amazing things, you had a direct part to play in that with your roles throughout the council. Oh, and thanks for saying that. So, no, that's, that's really so many cool. People do. I really, yeah. that's, that's really awesome. And secondarily, tell me about Stardustry is a word that uh, actually it became uh, the name of my 
third company because I started a publishing company um, to publish my first book. Um, it is exactly what it sounds like, Jenny. It is uh, the art of starting, the art of acting on our ideas, the art of beginning and then following the creative process. And when uh, we don't know in family folklore exactly where the word came from, but <laughs> it went something like this. After I sold the business, I was doing a lot of things around home. My my uh, girls were, I'm going to say, middle school and high school. And rather than coming home and hardly ever seeing me there because I was running a business, uh, they would come home and I'd be either in the studio or dashing out to a board meeting or, you know, sitting in the kitchen on my computer. And one day my youngest daughter came in and said, Mom, what are you? Are you an artist? Are you a business person? Are you a, are you a, um, I, I can't remember what else. Uh, and I, first I started with the labels talk. Honey, why does it matter? Why do you need to label me? Well, it really was that she wanted to tell her friends at school what her mom did, mm -hmm. you know, and most of, and she was proud, had been proud of the fact that I'd owned a business. So she wanted to tell somebody what I was, what I was. Um, well, from the other room, her big sister said, she's a stardust. <laughs> Because I think I had said, I'm starting this and I'm starting that because I, I did start a, a few other little companies. So, hmm, I think that just sat with me for a while. And uh, then it just became, we just kind of started using it around home, which is just, it, it kind of says something, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, you know what it is. Oh, I've got, You're a stardust. I've got you know. lots of opinions on yeah. it. I just want to hear it from you first. <laughs> but early on, it wasn't a compliment to some people because yeah. it implies depending on where you're coming from. And if you're not embracing the creative process, it seems like, Ooh, maybe you start a lot and you don't finish it all. Or maybe you start more than you can finish, or maybe uh, you have too many starts, too many plates in the air. And indeed that would describe me. Uh, and and really, that's the that was the hypothesis I wanted to test out, and probably spent ten years consciously and subconsciously researching it. And Kansas City is the best place to do it because our entrepreneurship economy, you know, community is so rich. Our artistic community is so rich. Oh yeah. Another uh, um, kind of genre of startists is engineers and inventors. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, do not get me started. Writers. So all, uh, everyone is a startist, but those fields are rich with ideas of people who do know what I mean when I say startist. They embrace it. They get it. And so I kind of went on a, a big interview spree, meeting people and hearing what hearing what made them tick. Mm -hmm. I realized that what made me tick after I sold my business uh, was finding the people that I wanted to grow not old with, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had finished my first act and kind of thinking, like, who do I want to be around? What do I want to be doing? And it was people that act on their ideas, people who make things happen, leaders, creators of all kinds. And there were some commonalities, but there are also many differences in how those disciplines, shall we say, approach beginning mm -hmm. and approach iteration and approach 
kind of the cross-pollination of those uh, skills and processes. So it was really fun to study it all. And I came out with some really very clear findings. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's why it it was so easy to write a book. Mm -hmm. A little bit of background. How did you tackle that? Because I personally, Mm -hmm. I I think that a lot of people are, um, you dream about things and then we put that label of, oh, just dream about it. But then, you know, you kind of wake up and you got to go do your reality kind of work. But the starting things gets in people's way. And like you were saying, not only the blank slate kind of gets in people's Mm -hmm. way, but the, well, I've already started one or two things, but I haven't finished Mm -hmm. them yet. (laughs) How did you make that connection for people? Like where, where, Mm -hmm. where did that go for, for you? Good question. Um, I think I had some ahas in talking to groups. For example, I was teaching a class at the Kansas City Art Institute of senior illustrators. These were artists who had already been through most of their education. They were seniors and they were clearly creative. And I wondered, you know, everybody I ever talked to had something they wanted to start that they hadn't. And I thought, well, maybe artists, maybe they're going to be the exception. Um, so I asked every class. I taught, I think, three classes and asked them all the same question. Is there something you want to start that you haven't started? They all said yes. Um, then I started asking, why haven't you? And after I stood back and extrapolated all the answers, the answers were all the same. They had all not started things they wanted to start because they didn't have enough. Enough of fill in the blank. We know them all. Mm -hmm. Time, resources, confidence, support, energy, (laughs) passion, permission. Uh, So it's always going to be enough. to. And so then I like they don't have enough, but they aren't even starting. How do they know? Because you know, we know that the creative process and only the creative process shows us what we actually need. Mm -hmm. But how did they know they didn't have enough? Aha. They don't have enough to finish. When I ask them if they have enough to start, say they want to paint a mural Mm -hmm. on a bridge. How do you start a mural? It starts with a drawing. If your drawing's cool enough, uh, somebody might find you a bridge. Somebody might find you the money. Uh, but it it just, it started me then down a road of researching what hold the finishes, the finish has on our idea. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just all fell out. Of course, all the fear about starting, all the fear about creative initiative comes from fear of the finish. Finishing like we think we need to, finishing like we planned, finishing big enough, finishing uh, specific enough, finishing soon enough, you know, so if we loosen our demands on the finish, we can get started. And then when we get started, then that's, there's another whole body of research about what the start has in store. Mm. and I like to say this, the start, the beginning, the first step has a swag bag. 
It gives, <laughs> gives us information. It gives us momentum. It gives us confidence. And it gives us something that psychologists know about, and it's called the Zygernick effect. And the Zygernick effect is that phenomenon that we, our, our brain remembers and calls back things that are not finished more than it calls back things that we've done and completed. So once we start something, a trigger goes off. We, we kind of create this homing device in our head for all the ideas, all the information, all of who knows what that we need. That's how we get the answers in the shower. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how we get the ideas when we're driving because somewhere along the line, we've assigned our brain to solve a problem or finish something we've started. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, after we've finished something, after we've taken the test, after we've, you know, walked out of the test room, you know, then it's gone. Our brain knows, okay, we can't, we can't hold, you know, we don't need to hold on to that anymore. Right, right, right. (laughs) So, so I think, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting in the weeds here and, and this stuff is all in the book, start more than you can finish, but just, uh, makes the point to me that it was all, it's all there. It is, uh, starting is very clearly, uh, a good thing. Yes. We shame each other for not finishing. We shame each other for starting too much. The shame is really what I wanted to attack in the book. So to get to that, I had to really explore all the baggage we hang on the finish. And, you know, entrepreneurs get that. Although entrepreneurs are, are the first people that uh, set lofty goals without, you know, an over plan. Oh yeah. Um, So, I mean, how much (laughs) is enough? I was a mentoring a kid who did not want to pull the trigger on his business until he had a business plan that would end with, a public offering that would make him independently wealthy. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and all that time he spent planning could have been, I don't know whatever happened to it, but the first, you know, the start would be build the product, meet a customer or meet, or vice versa. Right. The, right. Cus- the first customer would probably tell him something that would totally change his idea. The yep. plan changes the second we start it. Yeah, that's that's I was uh, <laughs> gonna gonna throw that out there. It's um what is it? No, no, no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Mm. You know, I mean not that that yeah, yeah, yeah. But going yeah. into this and cause see, you said something that really made me kind of think of this. Um how many not okay, so we a lot of pieces of our world operate around what is the point what is the end that you're going to achieve Mm -hmm. how is it that you're going to get there so i mean you even see with hollywood it's like they don't want to put money into movies unless they know it's going to be a blockbuster and they get x amount return so we are these wonderful squishy things of human beings how many doors do you think don't open because somebody delays their starting so if i mean we're just as a, a reminder for people, like we have limited time on this. And if you're, you're sitting there and you're waiting and you're trying to gear it up, Becky seems to have kind of worked through a process that allows you to 
embrace as much of the life as you can that you want for yourself. How does that, Becky, how does that influence your work? Because you're an artist yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know you you deal with the blank canvas phenomenon mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head. What What is the loss if we don't act on our ideas? And we don't and think about is, it like that. Right. Because it's either in mm-hmm. existence or not. Right. For me... I am more haunted by the things that I don't start than by any amount of failure of the things that started and went awry. And every startist, every serial startist that I talk to gets it. You don't even need to say it. You know, the the author Daniel Pink, who wrote A Whole New Mind, Drive, a lot of books, his most recent book is regret the power of regret he did a big worldwide study on regret and it's universal and you've heard it before we've heard it in quotes well he proved it the biggest regret people have is not of failures it's not of the things that went wrong it is the shot untaken it is and and they and he categorizes types of regret and this is called a boldness regret. Um, we do not, I do not regret anything I started and didn't finish or things that didn't uh, pan out. I, in fact, my, the most, the favorite stories I have are a couple businesses that I pulled the plug on. And the fact that I pulled the plug on them practically giggling when I realized, oh no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) You know, I got so much information and uh, yes, I spent money. I spent resources, certainly time. Um, But when you get that, hey, I scratched that itch. I answered that question. I don't have to wonder anymore. And also, um, I I like to say that our starts are our self-portrait. We are not made up just of grand planned finishes. We are not made up simply of the things that went exactly the way we want them. We aren't made up of our promotions or all of our best things that we're made of our ideas. The ones we tried, the failures, the goofy, wonky, um, you know, stories that we get to tell. We're made up of all those layers. And to think that people would die with all these ideas inside them that went unexplored, nothing makes me sadder. And this book is, it's a passion project because I met a lot of those people. I tell a story in the book. People are tired of hearing it. But my first book was an accidental book. It was my... uh, healing process when I was becoming an empty nester as my first daughter was a senior in high school. And I just started realizing, oh my gosh, these little pumpkins are going to be gone soon. And also this child is not ready. She is not (laughs) ready for the world. The world is not ready for her. And I need to tell her some stuff. Uh Uh-oh, she's not listening anymore. So I started journaling and the journal entries for a whole year uh, wound up in an email that I sent to her the first day of her first year of college. First, yeah, first day of her first year of college. 
And um, the subject line was, do your laundry or you'll die alone. <laughs> and the subject line was chosen because I needed for her to open it. Sure because she's, she's at school right. with her friends. She may <laughs> never listen to me again. Uh, but she opened it and she called back and she said, Mom, this is funny. My roommates think it's funny. Um, you need to make it a book and you need to put your art in it. Uh, because I was making art at that time. And you need to have it done by the time Tess graduates from high school, which is her little sister. Um, and, you know, at that time in life, the only thing you can give to your kids is a good role model. So, of course, I'm going to have to finish that book. Uh, so I did the book and it turned out to be quite successful. But it's a very simple book. Anybody can write an advice book. Mm -hmm. So people would come up to me as that book was going gangbusters and they would say things like, you know, I have an idea for a book or I could write a book like that. I have so much good advice or, you know, I've thought a lot about writing a book. People tell me that I'm a good writer. And at every turn I would say, "Oh, well you should you should do that then." And about 5% would say, really? And they would be hungry for that nudge and that encouragement. But most people said, oh, I can't they do didn't, that. I can't do that. Or, I mean, they had seriously thought about it. I had no doubt that they were not serious. They had ideas they wanted to write about. There was something they thought they could do, but they weren't even going to start it. It wasn't even a consideration. And I think... You know, we all talk to people who say they're not creative and you see them being creative in one way and they don't think it's creativity because it's making soup and mm -hmm. not writing a poem. Mm -hmm. But that people wouldn't act on their ideas, no matter what they are. It pains me. I mean, it absolutely I think of all the things that are lost and in a world in the state that ours is in, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, people destroy very easily. It's easy to destroy. Um, so at the very least, you know, I'm going to go out screaming for the creation. You know, let's build at least as much as we destroy. Let's act on our ideas. And this is really the essence of your question. Why start something if you don't know where it's going to go? Because this is how we know ourselves. How do we find how do I find out who I am? Unless I start writing. Uh, if you write, you know that. We know that journaling, I mean, neuroscience proves how good journaling is. Hmm. Neuroscience supports all of this. I read, you know, three stacks of books as tall as I am. Uh, there is, uh, starting isn't studied specifically, but the creative process the ignition switch, the process of getting ideas and acting on them, it all creates all those feel-good chemicals. Mm -hmm. It suppresses the cortisol and the bad stuff, uh, reduces perfectionism, which is a, a source of huge anxiety in our society. Um, there is every reason to act on our ideas. Why don't we give ourselves permission to do that more? Permission's a great word. Yeah. <laughs> I think we don't know what permission really is. You're right. It has to come from us. But until we quit shaming each other and with things like, 
oh, you have three companies you're building? Well, why don't you just focus on one and make it really big? Because to some people, that's their idea of a of a good finish. Right. Is getting bigger faster. Right. Um, I remember in Kansas City, and I'm glad I'm glad we're over this. Uh, the big entrepreneurial groups would support really one kind of tech startup, high fast, high growth, high tech. Um, so now we realize, you know, Dubuque needs a dry cleaner. Mm-hmm. What if we have somebody that wants to open a dry cleaner? Right. Um, we need, we need retailers. We need restaurants. We need not just high tech, high growth companies. Uh, so the shame by, by deciding which kinds of starts are okay right. and worth it. Right. We lose starts. We lose starting power. We lose, we, we make people lose their passion. So our bliss, our thriving, uh, comes from what we do with the stuff that is of us. Mm-hmm. If we come up with an idea, think about it. If you come up with an idea, it's made up of all the parts of you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come up with the same idea you do. No. You're going to have your past in it. You're going to have your uh, passions in it. You're going to have what you ate for lunch yesterday in it. And it's going to arrive to you at a timing that's mm-hmm. very particular to you. If you don't act on it, it may not, that idea is not going to get born. Uh, a lot of people don't start things because they worry about originality. Okay. They're like, oh, I have this book idea. I wonder if it's been done before. I don't care. It hadn't been done by you. Right. And it could have the same name. It could have the same general principles. But I guarantee you, once you start writing, it's going to turn into something else. Because Tuesday is going to happen to you in a way that it doesn't happen to anybody else. That's one of the things that I love, um, that I do like about being up here. I've had the chance to just kind of go out and explore just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a Saturday, drop myself mm-hmm. into downtown and wander around and get lost mm-hmm. or just see the the street art that's out there and and see mm-hmm. where you end up. And and you're right. There's so many unique little businesses that it's it's like what what kind of combination of a human are you yeah. that created this out of nothing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, just to to talk on the the starts and stops and wins and losses, successes and fails. You know, it like you're saying, if you don't even get started, then you, you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, so what um, Kansas City in particular, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And to me, that's very exciting. I mean, we're getting ready for some big, big things coming in 2026. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of movement um, to to push Kansas City more on the map. We've got a lot of um, a very favorable article came out um, for Kansas City in terms of tech technology momentum. Mm. So we've got a lot of growth and movement here. Um, from what you're seeing, what sort of unique opportunities or challenges do you see on the horizon? You know, I am not looking at the macro much anymore. So I'm not really educated on, uh, on any trends. I do, you, you know, the histories. Yeah. The, the history of Kansas City uh, is all coming together to 
to give us the greatness that we deserve. I mean, if you think about it, uh, there are a lot of artists in Kansas City. Historically, we think because Hallmark was here. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about the kind of people that came here to work in Hallmark in the early years, they grew up here. You know, some some of them are gone, but they bring trailing spouses or partners who are probably also creative. Um, so yeah, you think of the ripple effect of that. And then now in the, the new generation, uh, because of that kind of base, I mean, because people ask, here we are in the prairie. There's, there's no reason to understand how Kansas City got as funky as it did in, in the past few years. So I credit Hallmark. <laughs> then you get, then you get, you know, Disney was here. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Hemingway worked at the Star. Those, those are some, you know, little dots of creative uh, greatness that kind of meandered through. But I think it's it's all coalescing now with with the sports energy, with putting uh, putting our money where th where our mouth is, with the streetcar and the airport and mm -hmm. just our infrastructure. Uh, that the timing's the timing is great. The the tech it it still has been a challenge to compete with Silicon Valley. Oh sure, from Kansas sure. City. Um, but but we're not we're not as far away as you might think. Yeah, and that's the cool part. Yeah. So that momentum is definitely there. There's there's support. I mean, the Kaufman Foundation is the biggest. Oh, yeah. uh, supporter, uh, financial support for entrepreneurship in the country, maybe the world. So it's here. Uh, but you know, that stuff will all play out where, where my head is right now is, is on the individual mindset. Okay. Um, I, yes, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs every day, every week. Uh, but they inspire me more than I inspire them. Mm -hmm. They're uh, they're kind of the fuel to reinforce uh, what I'm still studying about starting muscles. Okay. You know, we can it, starting taking creative initiative, and that's that's what I've come to call starting power. I like it's, that. It's creativity, but it's initiative because you know we all know people that are creative that talk about their ideas all the time, but they never pull the trigger. And we all mm -hmm. know people who take initiative. I mean, those are the people who are going to be your CEOs. They, they're going to, they're going to do it, they're going to do it by the book and they're going to do it, you know, within the box. Um, they'll do it first. They'll do it on time. So it's, it's about pulling those strengths together. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think the evidence shows is that that is a skill that can be learned, that can be practiced, and that can be supported by a community. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a it's a ecosystem kind of fiber of strength that that we can build by supporting each other mm -hmm. and not shaming each other and and looking for the cross pollination. Look at how can we cross train uh the creative messaging and arts with the engineering savvy and the kind of the training strength of the athletic 
immunity. I don't know. There's lots of there's lots of cross pollination, and I I talk about it in my book with certain examples mm-hmm. because you always meet somebody who uh, is creative in a way that you didn't know. I I tell a story in the book of a boxer named Cam Awesome, Cam F Awesome. Uh, he changed his name to that. I'm you wondering. can decide what you think the F stands for. <clears throat> Cam is a Kansas Cityan. He's really an old friend of ours. He's the winningest amateur boxer in uh, national history. Oh, wow. Uh, he never went pro. But now he is a speaker. He just put out his first book. Uh, and he always intended for his boxing to be his platform for his creative pursuits. Mm-hmm. And there's a uh, there's a chapter in the book about how he cross-trained those skills, how he used what he learned in boxing to build a speaking business. Okay. And he's he's doing great. I I, I was I thought, okay, the one discipline I'm not going to be able to make creative is athletics. <laughs> nope. I was wrong. Nope. <laughs> Well, it's it's there unless, you know, people have said that uh, creativity is problem solving and, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And something you said earlier about people, people not labeling themselves as creative because it doesn't look a certain way. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that can significantly shape a person's life and what route they choose to go. Um, do you have a personal experience or lesson? that has shaped your perspective, maybe? I, You know, mine is kind of the opposite. I think I, what makes me able to write this book is that I am truly the worst person at finishing things. So you don't, if it's one of those, if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> it's also that I have a lot of examples of starting and not finishing or starting and failing. But I didn't have anyone telling me it's not what you start, it's what you finish. My mom was a essentially a single mom. She worked nights. I never she did not tell us not to make a mess, not to start more than we could finish. Um and then I had a teacher uh in 3rd grade who let me be in charge of the bulletin board because uh of course I have ADD. We haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> um and I would finish my work early. And so so that I wouldn't be a troublemaker, she let me be in charge of the bulletin board. And that was a life-changing experience nice. about having a place for all my ideas to go. Yeah, you just needed an outlet. Huh? You yeah. Need, you needed an outlet. No, you needed an outlet. Um, um, I have a hearing loss, so I don't hear out of my right ear. I think we think it was now mumps when I was three or four. So I was sent out of my neighborhood to a school uh, for lip reading and had to, you know, kind of find my place. And I found, you know, I didn't have any friends, so I found the art class. I don't know that I was particularly talented in an art, but um, together with the bulletin board and then that and then journalism, um, I just arrived at... I just arrived at a place not afraid of starting new things. And um, I think I, I, I think I mentioned this when we were talking earlier that then having kids showed me, you know, true, true 
initiative. I tell the story about my firstborn daughter who was uh, wanted to be a performer. So back in the day, it was Annie was the the Frozen of the time. You oh, know, yes. Frozen is that song where, that everybody, oh yeah, all the kids sing and sun it drives you crazy. And then, it, yeah, so it was Sun <laughs> will Come Out Tomorrow. And so Taylor K. Phillips, my little girl, came to us when she was five and said, you guys, I know Annie. I'm the perfect Annie. You have to take me to audition for Annie. Well, it's Kansas City. There were no auditions for Annie. <laughs> so... You know, she had to start her own show. Uh, she had a karaoke. She had a little sister. Uh, what more did she need? That's, that's all you need. <laughs> so she, it, it's the equivalent uh, the, of what you tell an entrepreneur. If you can't be the CEO of the company you're working for, you might have to start your own company. Right. And so that's what our daughter did. And our, our other daughter's equally creative. So it just, and because my mom never told me, don't start more than you can finish. Mm-hmm. I never told my kids they were biting off more God, than they could chew. Limitation on you. Yeah. That's insane. That's like freedom. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, what, what do we call it? Oh, free range parenting. Yeah. I, I really recommend it where creativity is concerned. Now it gets messy. You know, sure. your basement might not be the place you want it to sure, be. Sure, sure. But, you, but you're not walking through life with this little voice over your shoulder going, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't yeah. start that. And then yeah. you're and something else is running you instead of you. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And what if as a city, we listen to somebody's ideas and when somebody started something, instead of saying immediately, oh, well, why don't we do it like this instead, which is absolutely what we do. Mm. Uh, why don't we support people until they get down the road? a little bit to where they figure that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we supported each other instead of competing with, with each other, uh, be it organizations or uh, just independent development, um, our, our social network structure, uh, there are so many ideas. And rather than, you know, find fault in them, what if we supported them knowing that the creative process really does fix things mm-hmm. and show the show the wrinkles. We don't have to do that for people. I think it would just be really, I think Kansas City is very much like that. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that. But we can do better. Definitely. So how, how do you stay informed about the uh, events and the, the initiatives going on around you? Uh, because there's I lots of ways to my, find things. So uh, yeah. there's lots of ways to find things. So it, it helps like our listeners to what okay. is it that you do to stay informed? How is it that you stay uh, on top of the things that are going on around our city? I poke around in the news. I uh, stay involved with involved people. I think our our playgrounds and playmates mm-hmm. kind of really uh, keep life exciting interesting yeah are there any local leaders or influencers um that inspire you i follow the mayor on yep. all his social media i mean he does a great job yeah, of does. keeping us informed um you know my passions right now are uh, i'm a big old tree hugger mm-hmm. so i love bridging the gap and the tree alliance 
if people don't know it, you know, Kansas City's going to be planting 10,000 trees. We've got money to uh, plant trees. If you want a tree on your street, you can get it free. We're done. You know, I, we're done for the winter. But I just love this initiative. That's amazing. Uh, I volunteer to, you know, you can volunteer to plant. You can donate more money. Okay. But I mean, building that canopy over Kansas City streets is it, that's just something that's really exciting. I think we should have been doing it for a long time. But our our environmental initiatives are really picking up steam, and I'm real happy about that. That's fantastic. Where where could somebody get involved? Where where do they need to go to get involved with something? I like would that? go to the. I'm sorry, I interrupt you. Oh, okay. I'd go to the bridging the gap bridging the website. Gap. Okay. What do you see as the future of Kansas City? Um, and what do you, what what kind of role do you want to play in that future? Okay. So I loved being involved in the business community and civic leadership at one time in my life. This is the time that I'm having fun and mm -hmm. working with people individually. A fun thing that I've just started is a comedy show. I read some of that. Yeah, that really came out of the journey for the book. I was talking to my daughter in New York and she said, Mom, you should come to New York and be in this comedy show with us. We're asking our moms to be in this Mother's Day show. And she didn't know it, but it was my year of saying yes to ideas. So it was kind of an experiment I put myself on for the book. Very cool. So I had to say yes. Mm -hmm. So I went to New York. I did this little show with her. I just wrote something funny and read it. And then I put it on Facebook and everybody on Facebook said, oh, where's your script? Where's the video? Oh, you should do a show. And, you know, it was my year of saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I knew this. Kansas City does not have, did not have a great comedy community for women. Mm -hmm. We have. Not many places do. Oh, baby. Um, <laughs> they don't. I mean, open mic <laughs> night is a big old. You know, yep. a 22 year old dude fest. And it is not <laughs> the way to learn to enjoy comedy. Mm -hmm. So, what I learned in New York that at that show, I was very eager to bring back to Kansas City. I didn't need anything else on my schedule, but it was actually pretty easy to do. I just kind of scouted clubs, found some comics, uh, female comics, and told them to try to keep it G-rated. Um, and and then invited women that I knew to be funny to go on their maiden comedy voyage. So I started uh, a show called The Ladies Laugh Lounge. I've had we've had three of them. They have all been sold out. The next one is going to be two shows because people get mad at me when they sell out. Right. As if I can stop you know, that steamroller. Uh, so April 24th and 25th. Perfect. Is the next one. Okay. Because you just had one in October, right? We did. It was okay. October. So that's about one a quarter. That's about, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, you know, if I just, so what do I want to do for Kansas City? You know, just the, the littlest of things. What's fun is that each of those women, there have already been two women who, clearly have a knack for comedy that have come out in these shows because in each show 
Uh, I have three to four women I call comedy debutantes, Mm -hmm. give them the stage for one or two or three minutes and uh, they like it. They're good at it. And then all their friends come. I mean, you know how girls are. Yeah. They're tribal. Yeah. We we like to laugh together, have some wine. It's a chance for everybody to kind of. Get out, just be yourself a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And we laugh. Maybe we laugh at different things. April twenty fourth. The guys do All April twenty right. fourth and twenty fifth at the Comedy Club of Kansas City. All right. So, what steps would you suggest to somebody who who wants to make their own difference in Kansas City? Obviously, starting. Yes, starting. Talk about ideas. What um, meet the people and the organizations that are doing things you think should be done. And just have the conversation. What are the problems? Who's solving them? You know, you can Google anything. Mm -hmm. How do we get more trees planted in Kansas City? You will immediately find uh, the Tree Alliance and Bridging the Gap. And you'll get names, people to talk to. Um, I think we all have our own little communities. Education is such a... uh, a needy and important one, help at a school. You will see immediately mm. how uh, how you're needed and how freely ideas flow. Mm-hmm. I'm this book, Start More Than You Can Finish, is dedicated to teachers because my kids had great teachers, and it made me realize that you know teachers start and create every day, and they don't get to see what their work turns out like. Ooh, that's... Mm. So it's mm. the dedication reads, dedicated to teachers who rarely get to see their finished work. That's beautiful. And they're most creative beings. I mean, you have a, one kid that's different from another. You got to get creative. Every yeah. lesson plan is a creation. Why we don't erect monuments to teachers I know, right? and, you know, have, <laughs> you know, just throw Medi at them. I don't know. But I think engaging with any education, we have some really creative education um, initiatives going on in the city. So that's an easy place, too. Okay. So get involved with your school. If And if you don't have a school that's in your particular area, go where the schools need some help. It may just be a little bit of a drive, but but those resources make such a difference. And 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 saying yes to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as things get started, you're going to find, especially in schools, they're always going to run into, well, we've got this beautiful list of help us, please. Absolutely. All right. So this is going to bring us to our, our last and possibly most important question. Who has your favorite barbecue? in Oh my, um, I am a Jack Stack girl. All right. But we have, uh, uh, this holiday season, we will be at Bryant's, we will be at Jack Stack, and we will most definitely be at Joe's. And probably, uh, what, what's the Meet Mitch? Mit, what, the one at the airport? Um, uh, yeah. I think it's Meet, Meet Mitch. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mitch is in there. Because uh, the people who come home, uh, my new son-in-law is absolutely obsessed with Bryant's. So I don't even know if he'll make it home from the airport. I think we, uh, but I'm Jack Stacks all the way. Okay. okay. Jack's stack. Well, anyway. I'm a firm believer that any barbecue is good barbecue. 
And in barbecue is good barbecue. <laughs> What's your favorite? Are My you gonna... favorite? Uh-huh. I, I actually get to branch out because all oh. of this is new to me. I okay. have found that um, hog jaw, uh, H-A-W-G, You're more sophisticated than me. Oh, oh no, I don't know. Okay. They just have really good burn-ins. Burn-ins. Um, and slaps is really good. Okay. I've heard. I've, see? Oh. And there's like a billion of these places, so we can't ever try all yeah. of them. But, but we're going to mm. we're gonna maybe make a documentary next year. <laughs> oh, good for you. We'll see. We're going to see if we can start something. A very important question. All right. <laughs> Becky, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, and our, to all of our listeners, uh, pick up her book. Um, she's got two of them. Remember, do your laundry or you'll die alone. Advice your mom would give if she thought you were listening. Brilliant. <laughs> and start more than you can finish. A creative permission slip to unleash our best ideas. And really, if people want to engage with me, I hope I hope I'm starting a conversation that continues to grow and I'm starting it on a newsletter or I call it a no newsletter, a sub stack. And it's called Startistry. So you can go to beckyblades.substack or just Google Startistry and you'll get my newsletter. And conversations are going about things to start and how we can support each other. And I hope people join the conversation. That's wonderful. We're definitely, we're going to have all these links um, put in our show notes for our listeners. There's uh, a lot of links that are going to be out there for this particular episode. So do make sure to check those um, and go pick up some books for this season's reading. Oh, thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the KC Leaders Podcast. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen. For more information about this podcast, you can visit caseyleaderspodcast.com. And don't forget to check out our other great podcasts like The Buck Stops Here, streaming now on all major platforms and at thebuckstopsherepodcast.com.